Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. I'm your host, David Jennings, and in this session, we're going to be chatting with Jason Swank. Now, Jason got started uh, working for Arthur Anderson as one of the big five consulting firms, but then quickly realized that he wasn't uh, cut out for working for someone else and decided to leave and start his own digital marketing agency, pretty much growing that company from zero into a multi-million dollar agency and then worked with some really great brands, things like AT&T, Hitachi, Lotus Cars, and um, had grown the business steadily over 12 years before he ended up selling it to a much larger agency. Now, since then, he's gone on and started teaching other business owners how, how they can grow, but particularly agency owners, how they can grow just faster, smarter, um, with all the right systems and processes in place. He does it through courses. He's got live trainings that he does. He's got his podcast, Smart Agency Masterclass. Also posts some really solid content on his YouTube channel. And then I sometimes see that pop up on uh, the LinkedIn channel as well. Um, he's definitely a lover of systems and processes, pretty much having built his agency off the back of those systems and processes. And I know a lot of the attendees from the summit have digital agencies, so I thought he'd be the perfect complement to get onto the summit. So it's with great pleasure that I get to welcome Jason to the summit. Thanks for having me, David. I'm uh, excited to uh, chat with you and uh, help everybody out. Now, I know we've got a lot to cover and you're going to uh, share with us your system to grow a multi-million dollar agency and then ultimately sell it, which is what just about all business owners should be working towards, that idea of the exit, because we've got a lot to cover. I think we can dive straight in. The first thing I wanted to cover, though, is just, I suppose, talking to some of the challenges and problems that you see this particular system solve for agency owners in particular, and then we can kind of go through it step by step. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing I find agencies struggling with is kind of a, a lack of clarity of who they're going after or they don't have a predictable pipeline, right? And they're taking on the wrong clients. If they take on the wrong clients, they're not making much profit. They don't make much profit, then they can't hire the right people and then they're doing everything and it's just a, they kind of just tumble down and then they go, I can't do the agency thing. I'm going to go sell courses, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I see this all the time and it really, it, it starts because we're all accidental agency owners, right? We knew how to do something cool and someone offered us money. So in my case, I had a friend that looked like Justin Timberlake uh, when NSYNC was popular, if you remember that in the yeah. 90s. And so I did a, a fake band, fake website called In Shit and it got popular. And so people started asking me like, oh, I want a website. Like, can you design a website for my law firm? Can you design a website for my hair salon? So I got my start doing that. Now I did that year after year, you know, for a number of different years without really having any clarity. And I remember getting to a point where I was like, I was just reacting to everything. And I didn't know how to get to the next level. And I remember at the time, my uncle telling me a story. Now, during Vietnam, he worked on fighter jets, like the F-4 and the A-6, Phantom and all that, right? Really cool stuff. And so he worked for a company called Grumman right after. And one of his job was shooting chickens, dead chickens, at the canopy of the fighter jets. And what kept happening was it kept breaking the canopy. Like every time they shoot this dead chicken, it'd break the canopy. And so what they did, they were like, man, we got to get some outside help. And so they wrote a letter to NASA, like smartest organization in the world. They send people to the moon for goodness sake, right? They wrote down one line back. They go, unfreeze the chicken. They were so close to it. 
that they were shooting frozen chickens and just breaking the window, like the canopy every single time. So they needed to step back. And as he was telling me this story, I was like, hey, I need to step back. Because I, at the point, I was really depressed. I didn't like what I was doing. And I needed to gain that clarity of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to focus on. Why do people need to care about the agency? Who do we need to go after? And when I started gaining that clarity, then I could make those better decisions and inform my team of what we were going after. So they knew how to do better decisions, right? Yes. So that's kind of the first system, gain that clarity. <laughs> yeah, oh, it makes sense. And, and you see it quite often. I, it's interesting you said it's almost like agency owners fall into it because that's how I fell into it as well. And I know sometimes it can feel like, oh, yes, I'm unique, unique just like everybody else. But I kind of fell into it. And then you just start doing things and you try and put out a fire here. You try and put a fire out there. And it's not very strategic. It's really just whatever needs your attention at the time, you're, you're drawn to that. And I, it wasn't until I was able to step away from the business that I started to realize the different components of business. And I think that's what I, I like most about your work. You've really thought about these different components. So if we go through these step by step, so step one in your playbook is to get very clear on that ideal target audience. Do you have some ideas or yeah, structure around how that works? Well, it's first off of like, what kind of agency do you want to create? What, what's your core values? And then who d believes in the similar things that you do? Like, you don't want to hire your exact, you know, twin. Like, that would be a complete nightmare. But you want to surround yourself with people that believe in whatever you believe in. Like, for example, anybody on my organization now, our whole belief system is we want to create a resource we wish we had when we were running an agency. That's our North Star. That's what we believe in. And so we believe in hard work. We believe in sharing knowledge. We believe in celebrating our wins and losses, right? Like everybody I bring in, they believe in something that very similar to me. So we can make better decisions. And then the other thing is, is I have to tell people where we're going, right? Like my job as the CEO is to set the vision. And when you set the vision, it's kind of like this. Picture we're on a boat. And only I know where we're going. But you're on this boat. And so every time I get tired, I have to go sleep in the cabin. And every time, like if, if you've ever sailed a boat, the boat changed courses like, like every yeah. second. So every second, everybody's coming to you to make a decision. You have to go back up to the wheelhouse. You have to make the course correction. Then you go back to sleep and, and it just keeps happening. It's because we didn't tell anybody where we're going. And if people don't want to go to London, get the hell off the boat. <laughs> yes, yes. And so you have to figure out where you're going because you have to have the, the ability to have the power to say no to the wrong thing that's not going to get you to where you want to go. And then when you do that and you're building the team, now you're giving the power to your team to make a decision for the company rather than make a decision for what's better for them. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So it's good. I, I think if step one then is getting very clear on your values, then very clear on where we're going. Step number two then flows into, is that where you start to pick the target audience? Yep. And then you have to figure out who can I help? Yes. Like, and look, you can't, whenever anybody says, here's the perfect niche, right? Like I'm like, yeah, that's the perfect niche for them. But there's different yeah. niches for everybody. 
And no one can tell you what your perfect niche is. And it sometimes takes people a good time, a good long time to figure this out. It's kind of like if you've ever been to a huge buffet, like especially in Vegas, right? Like Vegas buffets are huge. There's millions of options. But you got to try out everything in order to figure out what you like and what you don't like. And I have always picked out a niche by kind of process of elimination. And I say, start with the shit we don't like anymore, right? Yes. And figure out, all right, we don't like this, 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 this. All right, now, out of all the stuff that I like, what is the most knowledge I have in? What do I have the most passion in? Because as things get hard, it's kind of like Steve Jobs says, life's too short to work on stuff you don't like because when things get hard, then you're going to quit and go do something else. So passion, expertise, experience, and what you, what you enjoy doing. And that's how I pick a particular niche. Yes. Um, and when you think about the outcome of like picking a particular niche, is this something that's written down where you go, here's a particular avatar? Is it, yeah, how do you record that or, or convey it to the team? Well, you have to, well, the reason is like when you pick a niche, you have to, with anything, you have to come up with a why, right? So let's say I was doing a business. We wouldn't be having this conversation if I just helped any business out, okay? Yeah. right? We're having this business because I work directly with digital agency owners. And the reason why is I wanted to create a resource I wish I had. Yes. So you have to tell them the why. And if they buy into it, great, keep them on. If they don't buy into it, get rid of them. Like after you explain it, right? Yes, yeah. And then, and the reason why you do that is because, look, everybody wants to build a predictable pipeline, but you can't do that if you don't know who you're going after or what their biggest challenges are or what they're facing. Look, we all look at the bigger agencies, right? And we try to model what they're doing. They're like, oh, they have 20 different industry niches. So let's go after them. Or like I interviewed someone on my podcast yesterday and they're a bigger agency and they're more of a generalist. But I'm like, you didn't start there, did you? And he's like, no, we started small and then we grew into it. And, they, and most of their business now comes from relationships. So when a smaller agencies look at the bigger agencies, we go, oh, we need to do that. But the bigger agencies are laughing going, haha, you didn't look at how we got here. Yes. Yeah, that's, it's funny that, uh, that idea particularly we, we reference that uh, thinking about the systemization of business and a lot of people go, oh, McDonald's is the poster child of systemizing a business. Let's systemize like McDonald's is today rather than, well, McDonald's is, you know, a world Olympic athlete who's been training for the past 60 years and you're coming in to try and compete there. How about we start when they first got started? So that, yeah, that, that makes really good sense. So that idea then of picking that audience and you touched on a few things like it's probably getting very clear on that niche but then you mentioned things like you know what are some of the challenges what's what's going on for them so again I'm just trying to think about how someone might piece something like that together is it just like a yeah a document with a bunch of this information down how do you think about it I mean sometimes it takes months sometimes years to figure out I mean, people cracking shit over your head in order to be like, hey, dummy, do this. But you have to be aware that you're looking for it, right? Yeah. It's like, it's just we're reacting to like, we'll take on any business. Now, hear me out. Everybody's like, oh, so if I pick the real estate niche and then lawyers come to me, I need to turn them down? No, 
You're just marketing to that niche. Now, if this particular client coming to you outside your niche is so unique and you have to reinvent the wheel, you should say no to it because it's going to cost you in profitability. But think about how Facebook started. You know, I remember when, well, I remember when the internet came out, so (laughs) I'm a little older than most, but when Facebook came out, they couldn't compete with MySpace of saying, we're going to do everything MySpace does. They said, we're going after Harvard students and then Ivy League students, right? Everything big starts off small. And so they just kept getting bigger and bigger as they started mastering it. And now they're the big, yeah. the big boys for now, right? Until someone knocks them off. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. All right. So then we move into that next step after getting clear on who that target audience is, or at least where we're going to start. Then what's the next process? You have to position yourself in a way where you don't look like a me too agency. Look, every like, and it goes back to we're, we constantly keep looking at the competitors and we're like, oh, that they're a bigger agency. I respect them. So I need to do exactly them. And here's the deal. We all talk about our agencies the same way. We always say us, we, we're the best, our awards, our process, our services. Well, let picture this. If I come up to you at a conference and I say, hey, David, it's nice to meet you. My name is Jason. I'm the best agency advisor in the world. I grew a bigger agency over 12 years and I sold it. Booyah. Look how good I am. You're like, dude, you're an idiot. Get away from me, right? Versus if I come up to you, hey, David, I'm Jason. You know, why'd you come to the conference? Is there anybody I can connect you to to help you out? Like, what's your biggest challenge? See, what I'm doing is I'm asking questions. And by asking questions, I'm changing the conversation to focus on you. And you're going to go away from that conversation going, I like talking about myself versus the alter ego, Jason, telling you how good I am, right? Like I'm asking questions. I'm trying to solve a problem. And if you look at everybody's website, they all are doing the alter ego, Jason, talking about myself rather than focusing on them. Like, for example, if you go to jasonswag.com slash about, it's my about page. You won't see anything about my story until the very bottom. I start off by asking questions and focusing and making, I'm telling a story that makes them the star in someone else's story, okay? Rather yeah. than making them, if I'm Batman, that makes them Robin. There can't be two Batmans. Yes, yes, yep. So digging in then, let's say, to the website, and then you're starting to tighten your marketing up, speaking that message where you kind of, you know who you're speaking to, and then you're starting to ask the right questions. And this would then get embedded into the whole conversation of what's on the landing page, your lead magnets, the content that you're putting out. So that idea would flow through everything and and would be a process that happens over time because it's a refinement. and, And like you had said, are there any key things for the website that you go, hey, you know, here are some key components, pages or things you would like to see on a website to to go, oh, yeah, you know, this agency has set them up to feel like a trustworthy agency. So you want to tell people who you help and how you can help them, right? Think about it. So I used to race cars and I used to teach people how to race cars. And one of the things that we would do is we would teach someone how to go through this corner at over 100 miles per hour, like 180 kilometers for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I think, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's close, right? And so if I told you to do that and not hit the break, you'd be like, you're crazy. I got a family. You're going to kill me. But if I could say, hey, this is how it's going to work. Here's the plan, right? And let me demonstrate this for you. You're going to, and then I show you, then you're, you have more confidence. And so what your website needs to convey is, who do you help? Like I, I was working with an agency that went after nonprofits and they did websites. And that's what they said. We do websites for nonprofits. I'm like, ooh, boring. And we really kind of uncovered and we said, look, what do nonprofits want? They want more members. They want more donors. They want more volunteers. Why do they want it? They want to spread their message. So we changed their positioning right on the homepage and said, hey, if you're a nonprofit and you want more members, donors, and volunteers so you can spread your message, I want you to click here because this is the exact plan we use for other nonprofits that help them grow and get more members, donors, and volunteers. Click here, right? And had a call to action versus click on my contact page that goes to an RFP stupid page and then we'll get back to you when we feel like it. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's good because then it really feels like you're being spoken to and you're understood. So then we start to get the marketing right and then the next process after that, I'm, I'm assuming that's some sort of engagement process. Someone's now going to make an inquiry because you spoke their language. Well, so now that you have the clarity, which is the most boring, right? But it's the foundational. Now you have the right positioning. People are like, hey, you got my attention. You can actually help me. You understand me, right? And, like you're, and by doing this, you're starting to eliminate your competition. And you're making your competition what I say, cat videos and procrastination, right? We get on the internet. We see, I see a cat video. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'll watch cat videos all day long. I think they're hilarious, right? <laughs> I'm a little biased. I'll do dog videos too, okay? So no dog people do bad <laughs> comments. I love both, dogs and cats. We're getting together, mass hysteria. <laughs> and so after that, now you have the right positioning. Now it's about the right offering, okay? What agencies do, are you married, David? I am, yes. Okay. When you saw your wife for the first time, did you pitch marriage to her? No, it took a little longer than that. Took a lot longer, right? Yeah. And so that's what agencies are doing though. They're pitching the retainer right off the bat. They're pitching their core service. And why is that bad? It's the same reason like you don't pitch marriage right off the bat is like it's a long-term commitment and it's a mm -hmm. bigger decision. So what you need to do is think about what's the right order of service that you can do in order to win the deal quicker than everybody else. And then once you win the deal and you do a great job, what are you doing? You're building trust. If someone trusts you, it doesn't come to money anymore, right? Mm -hmm. when, and then you can raise your prices. I did this with so many agencies where they'll come to me, they'll be, let's say they're pitching $5,000 a month. I'm just making a number up. Well, actually, this is a real, real deal. Like I'm making up number, but this really happened. One of my first clients, they were doing... SEO, and they would charge $5,000 a month on a month-to-month -month deal. I'm like, why would you sell a month-to-month -month deal? Well, they can't, couldn't sell a 12-month deal. That's a bigger commitment. I was like, okay, so let's, let's change this. Let's do a foot-in-the-door offer, something that you actually help them out. So let's say we do a, a blueprint strategy session where we're mapping out exactly what they need to do, $2,500. Okay, cool. And then once you do that and they like the plan, 
I want you to position. And I would, I asked him, I said, how long does it take for people to see results? Two, three months. Cool. All right. So let's take your basic number that you used to use 5,000 a month, multiply that by three, create a project, $15,000 project. And we're going to charge you to still a small commitment, right? Because there's an end game. Then when the client starts seeing results, I want you to pitch a year retainer at 8,500. Now, what happened with this particular client, they used to hold on to deals for about six months. So if he's charging 5,000, he's only making 30,000. Now that a 12 month deal, now they're making well over 100K each engagement. And they're going year after year after year. So that was a huge swing just by changing the offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think, I mean, to go back to the uh, marriage analogy, you start off with some dating first and, you know, before you meet the parents, before you then end up proposing. So that, that makes perfect sense. So you'll get very clear on what that offering looks like and, you know, you'd probably start to pull together some marketing collateral and the pieces that you need to then present that offer. Yeah, what, what's the next step after that? Prospecting. And this is where all agencies jump into right off the bat without any of the foundational, right? Yes. They don't know who they're going after. They're positioned like everybody else and their offering sucks, right? So do you think they're really going to work out? <laughs> they're going to struggle. So now once you have the foundation, then you can look at the prospecting. Now, what most people do is they rely on word of mouth, referrals. Well, let me tell you something. Referrals just aren't scalable, right? They depend on other people. And then what you're going to be getting is similar business or less, <laughs> right? The big people don't ask the small people, hey, who are you using? So you constantly keep getting lower and lower. And then you're busier and busier. And I always had a motto, if you're too busy, you're not charging enough, right? Yeah. And so I believe in prospecting, you need to have three channels. The first one, outbound. Pick up the phone. Figure out a way in order to get on a call with your top 50 hit list, which now you have clarity. You know who they are. If you want to go after Hitachi and you know you can actually help them out and there's an opportunity and you know who that person is, pick up the damn phone. Call them up, right? So you have an outbound channel. The next is have an inbound channel. You should be doing content like this. You should be creating a podcast. If I see another agency just doing a stupid blog alone, I will shoot myself. And then you guys can all figure it out yourself, right? <laughs> Literally, if I read another blog saying how to pick a perfect agency, right? Like if your agency is not treating you well, pick me five things. Like literally, you're going to figure it all year out because I'm going to kill myself. I can't take it anymore, right? <laughs> you have to create rich media content, create videos, create podcasts so they can see the emotion. They can see who you are. And then they're like, they know what they're going to get. Like if people don't like my attitude now, I don't want them to buy my stuff. They're going to hate it. <laughs> but if they like the free stuff, they'll love the, the, the paid stuff, right? Like, yeah. Like, I don't want to disappoint anybody. Like, this is me. Like, be yourself. The next pillar is strategic partnerships. We kept growing our agency because we became the best partner at the time with Sitefinity. We became one of the best partners in the world for Microsoft as they were growing. Now, when you pick a strategic partner, it's hard. Like, if you go, I'm going to be a HubSpot partner, not knocking HubSpot, 
They got millions of partners now. They're not going to think too highly of you, right? Or like a Microsoft. Think of an up-and-coming technology or someone that needs you and two plus two equals 16, and then you can grow with them. It's kind of like picking that, like, if I could have, like, if we all known, if, if we all knew how smart Jeff Bezos was and we could invest in that ship a long time ago, right, I'd have a bigger hat. So. <laughs> that makes sense. And you, you touched on something in there as well, at least in that first one, the cold outreach around the, you know, building a list of 50. I think having that target audience and then having some sort of outbound strategy makes makes perfect sense. And it's probably the same I'm imagining with the strategic alliances as well. Think about, well, who would be on that hit list? And then, like you said, pick up the phone and uh, start start engaging. With underneath each one of these, and I think what I like about each one of these is a, a set of processes that would live underneath these because I'm imagining for your outbound sales call, there would be a script or a flow of things that you want to cover for creating of consistent content, regardless of, of what content it is. You'll be able to create systems and processes around, here's how we do a podcast, here's how we do uh, the video or whatever the case may be. So I think this is good because we give that top-down view, the complete strategy, and then someone can go in deep. So these are all of the different components needed to build a successful agency. What's the next piece? Sales. What's Right? You got to make sure you're talking to the right people and you want to make sure you close the ones that you actually want. But here's the deal. Like, let's say you create this great inbound channel and all these people are coming to you. We used to have people calling us going, hey, we want Facebook, Google, and uh, MySpace put together, right? And we'd be like, well, we could do this. Like, this is millions of dollars for us. And then we talk to them for months, sometimes years. And then we find out they don't have the budget. They're not the authority, right? We wasted all this time. So you have to kind of have a sales system. So like, for example, like we had a system for qualifying prospects right off the bat. We call it NBAT, right? What's their need? Does it match up with what we do? If it's so far out of left field, turn it down. Like you're going to screw the pooch. B, the second B in the NBAT is what's their budget? Whenever I'm speaking in front on the stage or I always ask the audience, how many people ask for the client for the budget? And 50% of the hands go up. I'm like, all right, out of those 50%, how many actually get the budget? Half the hands go back down, meaning a quarter of the people are getting the budget. 75% of the room is going in completely blind. Mm. And so the way I would always get the budget, and I'd get it 99% of the time. So I'd say like, I'd say, David, what's your budget? What, what, what's the normal answer that we get, we get back? Uh, uh, it depends or I don't know, or let me yeah. see. What can you offer? Or I don't have a budget, right? Yeah. That's always a famous one. I'd be like, cool, I love working with people that don't have a budget. So we don't have to worry about money. We could test out all kinds of things. And then I would shut up and I'd be like, oh, so I'm just kidding, right? And that has to fit your personality. But then I would kind of go into what I call the reverse auctioneer. I said, look, I just need to make sure we can actually help you out. We're right for you. You're right for us. What's the kind of range that you're trying to stick around? And then I would start high. Remember, it's a reverse auctioneer because people are always mentally programmed to remember the first number. 
if I say low, they're going to think I'm low. So I'd be like, hey, are you trying to stay around a million dollars, 800,000, 700,000, 600,000, 10,000? What are you trying to stay around? Get a number every single time. The 1% of the time that you won't, and you're talking to a Hitachi, that's when you position a foot in the door in order to help them figure out that price. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that would be, oh, let's do one of these strategy sessions because it's you clearly don't know what you want just yet. Yeah. I mean, we did that with Lotus Cars when they came to us. They went to t- so many different agencies, right? And they were wanting a website for their new four-door Evora core car that came out. So everybody's pitching a website and it's taking a while for them to make a decision. So we basically said, look, why don't we do this strategy session to show you exactly what you need to do and lay out the whole plan and we'll do it X. And they don't need to go through a huge committee. So they signed it with me right there. And then we're building their relationship. Of course they went with us. And then we were the agency of record for North America for Lotus Cars for a number of different years. So, and we won the deal way before all these idiot people that could respond to their RFP. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that first, I suppose, point is to try and get the budget. Have you got some other key parts in that sales process? Yep. And then you need to figure out who's the authority. Are they the authority? Right. That's the A and the NBAT. Right. Yep. So once, and the easiest way to do that is saying, all right, based on your need, how does this match with your company's overall objective? So if they're not a decision maker, they're going to be like, I don't know. Well, who knows? Oh, David knows. Cool. Can we get David on the phone? It's kind of important to understand that. So it's a nice way to figure that out. And then the T is for timing. If their timing doesn't match up, run, right? Like I always would tell people, there's no such thing as a bad agency client. There's only a bad prospect or a bad process. And you need to figure out if they're the bad prospect right? And then you can fix your bad prospects after that. Yes. Yeah. So that qualification sounds like, I mean, that happens right up front and then we go through to the point and go, okay, well, they've ticked all of those. Then we're selling them into this discovery session or, or something like that to get started or it would depend on, on what they're after. Yeah, it depends on what they need, right? So agencies always want to sell what they want to sell, but agencies are selling what they actually, you know, what the customer actually needs. And so in order to figure that out, after I go through NBAT, I would teach my salespeople to go through the three I's. What's your biggest issue? What's the impact that it's causing on your business or the impact that it can do if we fix it? And how important is it to you? So if you're talking to a Warren Buffett, and I say, you have a million dollar problem. I could fix it. He's like, uh, fuck it. I don't care. Like million dollars. I'm the richest person in the world or second richest. Now, Warren Buffett's probably a bad example because he still like pays like he loves McDonald's and- for a burger, right? So he'd probably be like, oh, thank you, right? <laughs> Jeff Bezos, let's use him as an example. Jeff Bezos would be like, screw it. Million dollars, piss on that, right? Like, <laughs> So making sure that yeah, you're very clear on, on what those issues are and then crafting a suggestion or the offer based on, on what's going to fit their needs. And how is that presented in any particular way? Like is that because I know a lot of agency people love to default to standard templates, but I can't imagine you're a standard template proposal kind of guy. No, and look, here's the deal. If you do the right offering, you don't have to do a proposal until the project right? Like you're literally just, you're, you're telling, you're positioning the strategy or the 
the audit, whatever you want to call it, the foot in the door. And, and it's all about how you position it, right? Like I would position and say, look, here's three outcomes. You'll love the plan. You go execute it yourself. You'll love the plan. You'll want us to execute it, which is the most common. Third, you hate the plan. We'll give your money back. So there's nothing to lose. So now you're kind of qualifying them. And then once you execute that, then you can do the proposal. And here's the deal. Stop sending the effing proposal to the client to review. That's why they're going to go dark on you and you're not going to be able to reach them. If they want you to send them a proposal and not let you review it with them, say, we're not the right firm for you. We don't do it that way. If you want that, go to Joe Blow and waste their time. Because I can promise you, like we closed 85% of the proposals that we wanted to go after. And we didn't do this by going after RFPs, which stand for real fucking problem, request for punishment, all this kind of stuff, right? And like, I always joked about RFPs. I'm like, there's only two winners, the one that wins it and the first one out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So then, and I suppose it would depend on the situation, whether or not this is a jump on Zoom or a meet in person type thing, depending on where they are. But then it would just be, Let's walk through and and talk through what we've got. Towards the end of that call, is there a particular way that you you close or how you like to transition or or where it's left off? Yeah, so when when I'm walking people through the proposal, I never have the price until the very bottom. So I separate what what we're actually going to do. So as I'm going through the proposal, which I've already kind of gone through it with them and got their verbal commitment, I'm saying, hey, do you like the plan? Yeah, I like the plan. Of course you do because we built it with you, right? And then I'm like, would you like our help with it? That's my close. And they're like, yes. Cool. Here's what it's cost. And if they have any objections or put-offs, then I'll go through all that kind of stuff, right? I'll be like, all right, I have to determine, is it a put-off? Like, do I have to think about it? Let me check with my partner, right? Like, well, that should just tell you you did a shitty job at getting the right people in this meeting, right? And what can I learn from that? And all of this, like when I started my agency and I still have so much to learn, I didn't even know what an invoice was. So like, you'll all figure this out over time. It's just about how fast will you figure this out? (laughs) And it's always like, I want to learn every single day. And what can I get better and better? Yeah, that makes sense. So then now we're transitioning. They've said, yep, let's go ahead. And you've issued out, the invoice and taking some sort of deposit or something and then we start start the project is that the next process you start to think about yeah it's delivery right like how do i make sure i actually deliver the process or like deliver the results to them right and you just got to think about like onboarding you got to think about like how do i onboard this client like and and look the first 90 days like so the first 90 days are the most important like think about when someone makes a big commitment to work with you, immediately like they have this higher endorphins, like you buy something. But immediately after that, when it comes down, they're like, did I make the right decision? So like whenever anybody invests in me, right? Let's say they buy my online training program, right? I always create a video letting, giving them tips and advice, a custom video every single time. I don't, like sometimes hundreds of people buy it, like in a month and I'm like, whew, tiring. But every single one, because I want them to know they made the right decision because that's part of my onboarding process. And I want them to be able to go through it in a way where they'll be successful. And so you have to think about 
How can I make sure that they know it's the right decision? And then how do I gear up to make sure I, I still understand their expectations and communicate that with the team and going back and forth? So it's, you know, and everybody's process is a little different. You just have to make sure everything's documented. And then another thing you have to figure out in the delivery is how do I avoid scope creep, right? You know, client, like I just built a house in Colorado and, you know, I didn't understand the process. So I was asking for everything. I was like, can we build a zip line from this mountain to this? <laughs> like, like, yeah, we can, but it's extra. And here's what happens to a lot of agencies. We just keep saying yes and yes, assuming, right, that the client knows we're giving them a huge value. The client doesn't know that. They don't know how long it takes. They just think it's a quick fix. You said yes. And so you have to figure out what's that process in order to let them know. And one of the tips I'll give you for free is do a $0 change order. So when a client asks you for something outside of scope that only takes 15 minutes, write up a $0 change order, show how much you would have charged, and then zero it out and make them sign it. And then when they come back with five more, you're like, hey, I already gave you five. Like you're waiting for the big one. And then you're, you're training them. So they're not training you. Yeah, I love that. That's, a, that's an excellent idea. I think it's, it's quite common because people, usually digital marketing agencies, they're very good at marketing. So they can, you know, sometimes they can handle some of the things that we talked about, but they're often the weakest when it comes to the operations side of things. And then they don't set the right expectation. The, the client doesn't know or value things where, oh, yes, it's just a small change. I just want to move this entire header down the bottom down here or whatever it is. And, and they don't know otherwise. So I think setting the guardrails, letting them understand, you know, a couple of rounds of changes and, and when it falls outside of scope, that makes perfect sense. So there's for delivery, there's a, a big part is that first 90 days that you talked about. And then when we transition into the ongoing component for, for the client, yeah, have you got any tips there or how you structure that? Constantly, every conversation, benchmark with where, do benchmarking. So like you're delivering amazing results to your clients, but they forget what you did for them yesterday or they don't remember where they started. And so what happens a lot of times is a client comes to you and say, hey, David, we're, we're making a change. And you're like, my God, like we were crushing it for you. Are you an idiot? Well, you did a shitty job at communicating the value. So constantly say, look, you used to come to us with no leads. Now look at all the leads you're getting and here's what we're actually doing. So you got to kind of constantly do benchmarking in order to educate that client on everything that's going on. Because look, they're barely paying attention to you. <laughs> yeah. I think as well, it's like uh, once you get used to something, it's not until it goes away that you really stop noticing it, but you almost just get used to it. Like you could go up to someone, start giving them a dollar every day for no good reason. Just give them a dollar, give them a dollar, give them a dollar. A few months from now, stop giving them the dollar and they're going to go, hey, where's my, my dollar? Not thank you for the, you know, $33 you just gave me. So I think that constant communication, I feel like that is another huge area that agencies miss. Usually the only time they're engaging is 
at the time of invoice or just prior to invoice, but they're not really having any conversation outside of that. Maybe they, you know, print out a report from Google Analytics and that's about the extent of their reporting. Do you have any other suggestions on, yeah, that communication, regular communication through the client and how that looks? Is that a a regular meeting? Is it emails? Is it a bunch of things? It should be a regular meeting. If you're just sending reports over, what the client's going to do is look at the first report. They'll probably ask a couple questions and then they'll never look at your reports again. And then when an agency does some of my strategies for the foot in the door, you're going to be on your ass. (laughs) So like, you know, that's what happens. They're like, oh, this agency's not doing, oh, they're doing it all wrong. Let me show you how to do it. They communicate it. They're going to make the switch. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. One of the things in our agency we do that always gets amazing feedback is we'll send a a weekly, very short summary of what we've done. So they still get their regular reports and, you know, they'll have a a meeting, but then they just get little updates because that's the biggest thing with digital agencies because it's, you know, it feels like a a black box for a lot of business owners and they're not really sure what's going on. They just pay and, you know, if you're getting great results, sometimes they'll forgive that just because they go, oh, yeah, but but oftentimes they just don't know any better and they just keep on playing and then they won't say anything for a few months till they go, what am I paying for again? So it's, yeah, quite a common thing. Then when we move through, so we're kind of the delivery and everybody's is going to be different because it's going to depend on what it is that you're selling, whether you're doing AdWords, Facebook, SEO, building websites, whatever. I think we're just giving the structure of, of the agency. What, what happens towards the sort of the end of that process? Like some, some projects will be ongoing. Some will have a defined end. Um, how do you think about that final component? Well, you're always thinking about what's right for the client. So as you're going through with the project or you're in a retainer, you know, currently you're always thinking about what are they struggling with? Where are they trying to go? And then positioning how you can actually help them achieve that. It's kind of like, think about a client always wants something, but there's some kind of struggle. And so your job as an agency is to build that bridge and to communicate that plan of how that bridge is going to work in order to get them over there. So they can accomplish what they want, not just the organization, but them personally. And really understanding, you know, people, people buy based on emotion. So if you can get them an extra million dollars, okay, but if that million dollars is going to get them X, now you can appeal to them. That's the reason why people buy. And so you just got to kind of connect to them and constantly build over time and build that long-term relationship where, you know, like, for example, like, some of my early clients are still my early clients. Like unbelievable. I've been doing this, you know, mentoring agencies and masterminds for over five years. Still have, you know, a lot of them, which is always amazing. And, and I, I love that because I'm always just focused on how can I help and communicate that value, communicate the plan and, and you know, deliver the results that they actually want, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and constantly improving this. Now, it feels like, you know, we've gone through everything from getting clear on the target audience, uh, you know, uh, attracting them into the business. We've, we've had the sales process. We're, we're delivering. We're then getting them to come back or, or what else can we do to help the, the client? 
are there other components to this that you think about? Yeah, so the kind of another system is around leadership. And think about your your agency has to go through a transition where you be, you go from the agency owner to the agency CEO, and there's a big difference. Agency owner is trying to do everything no one else wants to do and trying to like do everything they can, right? They're not really leading the company. And so I believe there should be like four or five roles that you do only. First one, set the vision and communicate it to your team often. We already talked about that in the clarity, right? That's your main job. If other people don't know where you're going or where the boat's going, you're going to have a tough time and not many people do. Second, you should coach and mentor your leadership team, okay? You're not supposed to coach and mentor everybody. You do your leadership team and then show them how they can do their team, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't have four, four or five direct reports. That's it. You can coach and mentor them. And you're coach and mentor them both personally and uh, for business, right? Because if they're not happy personally, you're screwed. You're, you're gone. It's people business. Third, be the face of the organization. Many people say, oh, I don't want to be the face of the organization because then everybody's going to want to work with me. That's true. And, and, and they go, and they have some limiting belief saying, I can never, like, my clients are always going to come to me. Look at VanderMedia, Gary Vanderchuk. He's the brand. Everybody wants to work with him. When they work with VanderMedia, he didn't work with any clients. He'd be like, I'm not working with you. You work with the smarter team, Right they're executing on everything that I preach. They know it. They're better at it. I got ADD, right? Like I'll be, I'll be all over the place. And so you have to be the face of the organization, creating the content, speaking on stage, whatever it is, being the face for the niche you're going after. Fourth, understand the financials. You don't need to be a whiz kid at math and spreadsheets. Like God knows I'm not, right? But I can hire or outsource the CFO in order to tell us the numbers that we need to make for profitability and all of that, right? And another thing is, the last part is assist sales. Don't do all of sales, assist sales. Now, when you achieve these four or five roles, you're going to be, now you have a scalable business and you're going to be completely depressed because then you're going to say, the business doesn't need me. And I will say, after I slap you, I'll say, yes, the business doesn't need you for the old shit you used to do, but it needs you for the new stuff that no one else can do. And then you'll be like, okay, I'm happy again. <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon that's the key. You hit the nail on the head there with a lot of business owners. You said it right at the start. They just grow organically. They're putting out fires. They then get stuck in it. They never get enough clarity to be able to step out or step away. So they're just stuck in it. But then they get on this treadmill and they're doing the same thing over and over. They don't put systems and processes in place to solve the problem perpetually. Uh, and then their unique ability when it comes to a business owner is to creatively solve problems. But you want to be progressively solving bigger and higher quality problems and, and get the small stuff done and solve just once. And I think, I mean, quite a lot of what you've talked about today, I know your target audience is very specifically agency owners, but what we're talking about really applies to any service business. Really any business, 
if you think about it, if I take my hand off mute, right? Uh, <laughs> I never, I always worry about like feedback and that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm done talking mute. <laughs> but like, right. It applies to really any business. If you think about it, it's just all like, got to have clarity. Now the delivery system would change, but still like if you're going after consumers, you still have to deliver something and please them. Yeah. It, it all fits, but yeah. Yeah. I think, because in, in the work that I get to do, particularly around systems, when we go into different businesses, it's uh, the similarities between businesses. There is so much apart from, like you said, the main differences in the operation. But sales, everybody's got to, or, or marketing, everybody's got to get their message out there. Sales, everybody's got to have a way to close. Staffing, hiring, HR stuff, finance, management, like all of these components are, are the same. So I think, yeah, a lot of what we've talked about, very, very relevant. Are there any final points that you want to add to, to kind of wrap up your system here? The biggest thing is, is you're always upgrading your systems as you get to different levels. I remember uh, growing up, like in college, we used to play this game called Age of Empires, if you're, anybody remembers it. And you had to, you started off at the Stone Age, and once you got... Uh, enough wood, food, and and gold, you could move up to the next stage. And that's how I look at these systems as, as you move to the next level, you have to look at the systems you have and upgrade them as you go. It's not kind of like, all right, all said and done, good. Like check box, we got the core values, we know who we're going after, here's the set. Like no, as you're constantly growing and scaling and pushing the limits and you know getting bigger and bigger, you're constantly resetting these things and looking at them and saying, how can we make this more efficient? How, like, what are we missing? Yeah, I think it's about installing that culture. And right up front, you were talking about the values in a business and setting that frame. And I think having a value of systems thinking or, you know, that constant never-ending improvement uh, sets you up really well because you you want your staff to be looking for the system solution. You want if there's a problem in the business, let's first look for the system or the process that addresses that. Is the problem there? Can we solve that first and run your organization that way? Which ends up being very freeing for staff too, because rather than you always pointing the finger at them, well, let's look to the system first. If you haven't followed the system, okay, well maybe that's another discussion. But first, let's make sure we're at least clear on what our process is. So I think, um, yep. are there any final points? I, I definitely want to point people through to your work and I'm going to link through to the website and you've got lots of cool, like I said, videos and content and ways for people to get started. Yeah. Are there any final things or where's the best place for people to go to, to get into your funnel and find out more? Yeah. So go to swank.it. And Swank is spelled S-W-E. On the, on the uh, hat there? Right on the hat. I mean, but it's backwards for me, so I don't, <laughs> hopefully it's boards for you, right? But go to Swank it. That's kind of my motto is like, just go do it. And it will link to both shows, the Smart Agency Masterclass and the Swank Today Show. Those are free content. And then you'll also see a link to jump into the agency makeover. It's a three video series to really go through and solidify some of the things that we did. And then if you really want to jump into systems, you know, go check out the agency playbook. It's our online training that walks very in depth, has a lot of micro content, documents, strategies, amazing Facebook group. We're always updating it. And go check that out at jasonswank.com slash playbook. 
Yeah, perfect. Well, a big thank you, Jason. Very generous with your ideas. I feel like someone's got a really solid framework here so they can uh, yeah, dig in a little bit deeper by checking out your site. So thanks again for joining the summit. Thanks for having me.